Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. We are starting off and kicking off a new series this morning, A Life of Praise. A Life of Praise and um, I'm going to open up with a, with a few questions and a few statements. Uh, as, an, as an introduction, praise is something we often limit to song. And uh, even this morning, like the song was amazing. Like uh, I love the, the worship. Thanks so much to Shane, um, who's uh, uh, putting the MP3 um, set lists together for us. And uh, there's a lot of time and effort and energy that goes into that. And so uh, we are super thankful for, uh, for that. And we're thankful for Marna for allowing him to do that for us. Um, so uh, that was really a, a, an awesome set and an awesome time of, of praising God through song. But the, the challenge is this, that oftentimes we, we limit our life of praise or our reference to praise just to being song, uh, declaring song or, or worshiping through song and musical instrument. But uh, if praise is all about song, then um, it would really suck for the, for the deaf and the mute because uh, they challenge in that regard, right? They challenge to, to sing like we are singing this morning. I don't know if there's any uh, deaf or mute in, this, uh, in the gathering. If there is, uh, we'd love to minister to you and pray with you. Um, but that's really something that we need to consider. If it was only limited to song as we did this morning, then those people would be very limited as to praising God. So we have to realize and be challenged in this regard that it is not all about that. It's actually, if we look at it, a very small part of our praise and our worship to God. And that might offend some already. When we sing song, though, we need to, and this morning, and I've been more, more and more intentional about this in, in, in the songs we're singing, and, and as we're praising God with song and musical instrument, and listening to the lyrics and considering the lyrics, um, really asking myself, how much do I believe this? How much am I living this out? Because we, we, we're singing pretty like a strong declarations of, of lives laid down, sacrifice. Lives of, of loving God truly and completely. And it's one thing to sing that song. It's another thing to live that and to breathe that song. And so that is the challenge we need to ask ourselves with regards to even in times of song. Do we really believe what we're singing and living it out? Our praise to God ultimately is birthed from who He is and His plans from the beginning of time. Let's go to Genesis chapter 26. Our praise to God, I'm going to say that again, is birthed from who He is and His plan from the beginning of time. And as God will also share with regards to that first song, Christ is my firm foundation. And uh, just that uh, um, the song really, uh, a lot of the references from Matthew chapter 7 where uh, it's the wise man building his house on the rock and the fool building his house on the sand. And the first time that I got to sing that song, um, was at the, at the conference we had, the, the Reality of Christianity conference. Not the first time, but the first time I got to sing it after my brother's passing. So my brother passed away on the Thursday, and then on the Saturday we had the conference and we sang that song. And uh, then I was also challenged with this thought, as, uh, as God will share with regards to like, man, is he my firm foundation? Is he the rock that I stand on amidst this chaos, um, this storm, this this this? This, this tragedy that I'm experiencing. And it was amazing to really put things in perspective in my heart and how God was ministering to me through that, through that time that it doesn't matter what happens in this life. The promise of God is sure. His faithfulness is sure. It's not going to change. 
the, the promise of God for man to be one with him. And my brother was one with Christ and he's experiencing and enjoying eternity with him right now. Uh, we're missing out more than he's missing out. And so uh, it was really something that I was challenged in in that song as to how much is the song true to me? How much am I experiencing the reality of this truth? And I'm really thankful to God that in my heart and as the Spirit was ministering to me, I could fully yield into that song and allow it to be true for me. Because the, the Word is true, right? The Word is, is as true as it's ever been. The Word's not going to become more true. The truths of who Jesus was, what He came to do for us, what He accomplished for us, it's not going to change. It's been the same from the time He accomplished it. But it can become more true to us. And uh, Anya also shared that with regards to our perspective and our focus. We determine how true the Word is for us. We determine how much we believe, what we're hearing, what we're singing. And so we need to uh, uh, kind of yield into that. So Genesis chapter uh, 1, 26 to 28 from the message. God spoke, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature, so they can be responsible for the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth. Take charge. Be responsible for the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. There's so many things that we can uh, draw from this, but I just want to focus on just some of these, these declarations of who we are, purpose, that, that is being reflected through this. Here we see relationship, we see family, we see God's intent for us to experience family, to experience oneness with Him, experience belonging. But we also see our purpose and design from these these verses, and then we see in an empowering to live out this life that God has called us and invited us into. And uh, let's jump to Romans chapter 16, verse 25 to 27, also from the message. And uh, no scriptures on the screen this morning, by intent, not by uh, uh, mistake. So uh, it is an encouragement for you guys to uh, get into your Bibles, open up your, your, your Bibles. Romans 16, 25 to 27 says, All of our praise rises to the one who is strong enough to make you strong exactly as preached in jesus christ per precisely as revealed in the mystery kept secret for so long but now an open book through the prophetic scriptures all the nations of the world can now know the truth and be brought into obedient belief carrying out the orders of god who got all this started down to the very last letter all our praises is focused through Jesus on the incomparable, incomparably wise God. Yes. Man, that is awesome. Man, this, this, this declaration of truth, this, this, this purpose, this plan of God from the beginning, beginning of time that all our praises hinges on the reality of Jesus. And that reality doesn't change. My brother's passing didn't change that reality that Jesus died. That Jesus was raised from the dead and Jesus' spirit was poured out for all to receive and to experience oneness with God, to receive a new purpose, a new family, step into a new belonging. And that truth is true, whether you believe it or not. And I praise God that I've gone through a horrible tragedy and, and I'm not laboring that, but I want you guys to, to see like in practice that these are things that we can experience. I'm, I'm thankful to God that I can, I can serve as an example. And that example that I'm serving, I'm not doing it necessarily perfectly, but 
I'm thankful for God's leading, for your guys' support, Shane and Marna, your love, like the, the amazing family that we have, the amazing mission that we, that we have, that all of that is cultivating an example that I get to serve and, and be in this family, in this body, of amidst tragedy, amidst chaos, amidst heartache, amidst confusion and unanswered questions that Jesus Christ still died for my sins and He was raised from the dead and that I get to experience a oneness with God and intimacy with Him that He's desired from the beginning of time. That's His will for the world. That's His desire for the world. And we get to play a part in that. And that is what our praises are all hinged on. Jesus Christ, Him crucified. Jesus Christ, Him raised from the dead and His Spirit being poured out for us. So what is our proper response? What is our proper response in light of these truths? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 2 from the message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. So who's helping you? God, you're not on your own. Even in the Great Commission, Jesus said that, remember, I'm always with you. I'm sending you out, but remember, I'm always with you. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. Your sleeping eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Just think about that. Embracing what God does for you, what God did for us through Christ, is the best thing you can do for Him. Why? Let's continue reading. Don't become so self or so well-adjusted to our culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. This is beautiful. Embracing what God does is the best thing you can do for Him. Embracing what God does and responding to that is the greatest form of praise that you can give to Him. Embracing, fully surrendering and yielding to that truth. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life, every aspect of our lives. We shared an amazing time yesterday, like a, some of the guys already shared with our, our men's gathering, the, the, the meeting we had. And an amazing truth that came out from that is, is, again, God's invitation for us as men to sonship and as, as women as well, because the Bible, is uh, when it's talking about sonship, it's talking about it in a, to male and female. Because in the body of Christ, in God's eyes, there's, there's no male nor female. And that's not what the world is uh, kind of uh, taking that, that, the this, this spin on that. Um, so we're not going there. Um, that's not what we're talking about. Um, but it's really powerful to see that it's from, from a place of sonship and knowing that we have a father, that we've been invited into a family, that we get to be. Me, for example, as a son, as a knowing God as my father and growing in that understanding, I'll be the best husband I ever thought of being. As a son and growing in my sonship and God being my father, growing in that will enable me to be the best pastor that I ever thought of being. And the list goes on the best husband, the best father, the best pastor, the best friend. It's in knowing and growing in my sonship who God has created me to be. And that's God's desire, embracing what He does for us, embracing what He did for us, embracing His love for us is the best thing we can do for Him. It's the best form of praise that you can give to God. 
Because when we embrace that, we'll be changed, we'll be transformed. We see this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 2 from the message as well. Watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with Him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of Himself to us. Love like that. Isn't that simple? Why has Christianity become this, this complicated thing of doing this, doing that, striving for this, trying to not do this, and the list just goes on of what we to do, what we not to do. But the invitation is, come to me. Come to me. Watch what God does. And the, the example is so practical, and I, I love how the message illustrates this truth to us, because if I look to my sons, Chris and Michael, man, there's some things that I need to communicate to them and kind of talk to them about as to uh, how to act or how to respond in certain situations. But most of their learning comes from just watching what I do. Watching what I do. Most, most of their learning, how they operate, how they do things, is primarily coming from a place of seeing what I do, watching what I do. And so if you see them doing funny things, it's most likely because I do that at home. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Like the push-ups, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> falling to the ground and uh, making funny noises. Uh, no, I don't, I don't do that. Uh, maybe it's his interpretation of me doing push-ups and they're really struggling. I don't know. Um, no, that's good. But that's such a, it's such a beautiful picture. And the invitation is so easy. It's so simple. It's effortless. Watch what God does. Learn from Him. Grow with Him. See how He loves us. See the life of Christ. See how He modeled the father-son relationship for us. We, we talked about that a few weeks ago. And, and really to see, yes, Jesus was God in the flesh, but He was also the manifestation of and revealing sonship to us. The father-son relationship that we get to experience as sons and as daughters. Psalm 34 verse 1 to 3 says, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. This is also just, a, just this, this concept of, of praise and living a life of praise has been in my mind and in my heart as to how does that look. And like I said, it's not just about putting music on and then singing along to the music. But it's really about meditating. And we see this throughout Scripture. And uh, Psalms also talking about meditating on, on, on the Word day and night. Because as we meditate on the Word, that's a form of praise to God. That's a form of, of worship to God. But also as we meditate on the Word, and this is something really important, as we discuss all of these amazing truths yesterday as to sonship and God's invitation to us as sons, I've experienced this now through, through my brother's passing and our different family members are response, responding differently to the tragedy and the trauma. And most of my family is, is saved and they've got a relationship with God. And, and um, the challenge though is this. Oftentimes we settle for our relationship with God just as a ticket to heaven. We settle for our relationship with God just as my sins are forgiven, and one day when I die, 
I'll be welcomed into the family. And that is such a tragedy to the body of Christ, such an such a injustice to what Christ actually died for because He did not just die for your sins to be forgiven. Yes, very much so. He did die for our sins to be forgiven. But not just so that we can have a ticket to go to heaven, but so that we can experience relationship with God, a loving Father and His purpose and will for our lives. And your purpose, your satisfaction, your, your fulfillment in this life is limited to the degree that you know your Heavenly Father. I thought I would get a, an amen for that. Your, man, you're selling yourself short. If you're just living paycheck to paycheck, why does Romans 12 encourage us? Let's not fall into this culture of this world. Let's not just adapt to this culture of this world. But let's be transformed by renewing of our minds in accordance to the Word, in accordance to the, 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 the message of Jesus, the message of the Gospel, the message of the Bible. Because in proportion to what we know about God, what we believe about Him will affect every decision that we're making. It will affect how we respond to every tra tragedy, every heartache, every disappointment. That is showing what we believe about God, His purpose for our lives, His will for our lives, and our identities as sons and as daughters. Romans 12, just jumping back again. Readily, in the second part of the message says, readily recognize what, what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. And this isn't a, a matter of God needing things from us. There's a difference. What He needs from us and what He wants from us. It's different. He's not needy. We don't have a needy God, guys. But there's certain things that He's, he's desiring for us. He wants for us. Why? Because it's for your benefit. The things that I want for Chris and for Michael, it's not that I need it. Even though it's fun when they're obedient because it, like, it, it, it strokes my ego. Like it, it feels good. Versus when they're, like, when they're challenging me, oh, man, uh, it's, it's a frustration. And it's not like that. It's not like that. That's not like how God operates. But the things that I desire for them and what I want for them, it's primarily for their benefit, for their lives, for their futures. And it's the same with God. Let's go to Mark chapter 7, 6 to 8. And, and a lot of the verses this morning is coming from, from the message translation. Um, Mark chapter 7, 6 to 8. Jesus answered, Isaiah was right about frauds like you. Hit the bullseye, in fact. These people make a big show of saying the right thing, but their heart isn't in it. They act like they are worshiping me but they don't mean it. They just use me as a cover for teaching whatever suits their fancy, ditching God's command and taking up the latest facts. Amen, oh me. If the, if the shoe fits, let's, let's put it on. Let's, let's really uh, take, take the challenge. When we, when we hear a challenging truth from the Bible, don't call it legalism. Like, not everything that is challenging in the Bible is legalism, guys. There's a lot of challenge in the Word for us, which is intended to produce fruitfulness. Because it's through challenge 
through taking the challenge, responding to the challenge that we can grow into the things that God has for us. And so Jesus here quotes Isaiah, which talked about the people where these people will make big show of saying the right thing. We can link that to worship even in, in our song of praise. Like when we come to church and man, we, we really mean the things we mean while we're singing it for that short moment of, of the song. For those three, four minutes of the song, we really believe that Jesus Christ is our firm foundation until something happens and we're like, it doesn't feel true to us. They say the right thing, but their hearts isn't in it. How do we get our hearts in it? How do we get our hearts persuaded by the truths of God's word? How did Abraham do it? By being a friend of God. Do you consider yourself a friend of God? How's your friendship looking with your, with your wife or your husband? Think about your best friend currently if you're not married. How's that friendship looking? On a scale from, from 1 to 10, think about your best friend. Hopefully your best friend, if you're married, is your spouse. If it's not, then uh, I'll pray for you. Um, think about your best friend, your best friendship currently. How, what is the state of that relationship? What is the state of that friendship? From a scale from 1 to 10. And if it's good, if it's, if it's above 8, then there's a very good reason for that. Do you know what that reason is? Time spent. Because time spent allows you to get to know the heart of the person. Allows you to, to, to be a blessing to one another. Be there for one another. And so it's very much the same with, with God and with Abraham. If we look at Abraham as an example, he's called a friend of God. He was communing with God. He had fellowship with God. And that's why we see in Romans chapter 4 that he was fully persuaded by what God declared, what by God promised, because he had friendship. He believed that God was who he said he was. He believed that God was good amidst troubling circumstances at times even. And so for us to get our hearts persuaded and to have our hearts in what we say, we need to become convinced and persuaded by who God is and grow in that friendship. Because when we, when we give over and we surrender our hearts to God, He'll have our hands. He'll have our lips. As Samuel said, or penned down for us, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So we need to really kind of take a step back when, when we are singing song and declaring things, but we're not really living it out. We're not really believing it. And it's good to, to sing things and to do the right thing at the right time. It's still good. But don't just do it and don't think about the disconnect between what I'm saying, what I'm doing, and what I really believe in my heart. Take an inventory. Consider those things. Because it might work right now, but in a year's time, in two years' time, three, five years' time, you might catch yourself and you're just like, completely bitter, completely withdrawn from God, from the body of Christ, because you haven't taken that inventory. You haven't considered whether what you're doing, what you're saying, what you're singing about, whether it's truly in your heart. Let's go to Colossians chapter 2. 
Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to 7. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You've received Christ, Jesus the Master, now live Him. You're deeply rooted in Him. You're well constructed upon Him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. A good word is a challenging word. I'm, I'm super thankful for, for the last few years of, of, of us as a ministry really kind of reshaping, redefining, and, and re-looking at what is Christianity. What is the reality of Christianity? And the reality of Christianity starts with this, hangs on this, Christ in you. If you've said yes to Jesus, if you've responded to Christ, He's living in you. He's desiring to come out of you, as we see in John chapter 4. The woman at the well, she encountered Jesus. Jesus exp expressed the, the radical truth of what Christianity is about. My spirit in you. And she responded to that radically, leaving everything behind, going to preach the gospel of Christ to the town. That was in a, in a matter of, of a few minutes, encountering Jesus and encountering the reality of Christianity. Now just imagine this for a moment. Oftentimes we read about the bar, what, what the Bible is saying, and that's good. Let's study the Word. Let's look at what the Bible is saying. Let's look at what the author is saying. But oftentimes we need to stop and pause and consider what are they not saying. Jesus said very little to the woman at the well. Consider that. He said very little if you think about what is being said in the body of Christ about what Christianity is. Just think about that. I'm not going to elaborate on, on that thought. My counsel for you is straightforward. It's simple. Go ahead with what you've been given. The, the King James uh, translates verse 6 as, As you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so continue to walk in Him. How did we receive Christ Jesus the Lord? By grace through faith. This was a gift from God. A gift from God inviting us into relationship, opening up the door for intimacy for us. As you've received, as you entered into the family, continue therein. Man, we've, we've, we've got an open door. We're in the family. We're part of the family. Let's continue on this journey of growing in family, growing in sonship, growing in daughtership. Because from that place, we'll live a life of praise. From that place, we'll be challenged. We'll be, we'll be urged forward. Let's, let's, let's be more open to challenge. Let's be more open to, to brothers and sisters in Christ spurring us on, urging us on. And I love that, that reference to the word of, of being stirred or, or, or being urged on in love and good works. Um, it, it, it stems from is rooted in, in the work where, or in the in the word where we get um, a, a, a spur from a provoking. Have you ever been provoked unto bad works? <laughs> that often happens where we provoked unto like doing something silly or just uh, 
whatever. And, and so in that same way, we can be provoked into doing something great, into doing good works. And it's going to come with a little bit of a nudge. I love my brother, Ewald. Um, man, he loved to nudge with his fingers and my ribs and the collarbone and like, Man, it was, a, it, was, it was challenging at times, like uh, at the most awkward moments where he'd grab my fingers and you'd like want to, like, um, what do you call it when you clicking? Oh, like he would just like love like pulling the fingers and, and he'd like, but it, it's so good, like it's, it's nice, isn't it? And I'm like, no, it's hurting me, it's sore. Um, and he would think that is funny. Um, but the, the, the concept is this, that, that, we need to nudge. We need to stir one another. We need to provoke one another. And we need to be open for that as well and invite that because it's through that that we could get to move forward and we, need, we get to live out this, this, this life that Jesus called us and invited us into. Schools out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. Let your living spill over into thanksgiving. Schools out, guys. Quit studying the subject. Too often we get caught up in this I need to know more. I need to do another course. I need to do another this. And, and we've got a ministry school. We've got courses, guys. But through the courses, through the learning, there's continual stepping out. There's continual challenges as to let's step out. Let's, let's take what we're learning. And oftentimes in our meetings, we, 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 we close with this question. Who can you share this with? Who can you share this truth with? Who in your life needs to hear about this radical truth about God's invitation? And so the invitation is this. Let's not just learn about Jesus. Let's not just kind of be intellectual about Christianity. Let's realize that it's, we're co-laboring with a living God who's desiring to, to set us up for lives of victory, lives of, of purpose, of significance. What's every little boy's dream? Every little girl's dream? Think about that. Every boy's dream, every girl's dream is to grow up and be like mommy or daddy. Just think about that for a moment. Every boy, Chris's dream, Michael's dream, I'm their role model. And I don't do much to be their role model. It's like almost like a given. And obviously as they're growing, like the degree to which they see me as role model will, will change to the, to the uh, uh, um, degree that I'm actually being a good role model, a good example. But this is a beautiful thing that every, every boy, every girl's dream is to grow up, to mature and be like mother or father. But why don't we desire that in our Christian walk? What do I mean by that? When last did you think and pause for a moment and ask yourself or have this desire where you're like, man, I want to grow up. I want to mature and be like Jesus. Just think about that for a moment. Like we, we're on the hamster wheel of life and we're doing and we're this and we're that. And, and oftentimes we're just like, we're going nowhere slowly. If we're not desiring this, there's something amiss. If we're not desiring daily, and man, I've, like, I've been, my, my life has been shaken in some ways, and uh, not in, the, in, in my faith or anything like that, but more so in a sense like, man, what, what am I living for? What impact am I having on this life? Uh, the only way that I'm going to see Romans 8.28 come to pass through my brother's passing is if I'm leaning into what God is inviting me to. When I'm pressing into it. 
because the emotions today is already different to what it was a week ago, to what it was the moment I heard the news. And it will guaranteed be different in a year's time, five years' time, and ten years' time. And everyone is very much within the family, and we had this discussion on Friday evening. It's very much about like, yo, we need to change this, we need to do that, we need to do this, and it's all good. Take inventory. What are we going to change? What needs to shift? But let's not grow cold. How do you grow cold? The same way you grow hot. Step by step by step. Making one decision after the other after the other. So we need to ask ourselves, and as Chris and Michael's desire by default is to grow up and to mature, to be like their father, we need to ask ourselves this question. Do I want to grow up? Do I want to mature and walk out my, my Christian walk more and more? Do I want to mature in the things of God? And then if you have that desi- desire, which is great already, it's a starting, it's a starting point of, of maturity and growing. It's having desire. But what comes after desire that, that changes or that, that kind of uh, uh, boils down to change or not change? The big A word. Action. Action. And so this is really a question that we need to all ask ourselves. What action do I need to take in light of these truths? As to this invitation to living a life of praise. Desire without action is a pipe dream. Desire without action. All of you, I'm sure, I'm stirring a desire within inside of you. I'm hoping at least I'm stirring a desire to live a life of praise, to live a life of significance. But if that desire doesn't lead to action, it is only a pipe dream. In closing, Romans 8, 14. Um, the, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Who are the mature children of God? Who are those who are growing and maturing? Those who are moved by the impulses, the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so either you're being moved by, either you're being led by the impulses of the Holy Spirit, or you're just kind of stagnant. You're just passively coasting through. And He's prompting and He's he's desiring to move, but He's not forceful. He's not going to overpower you. He's not going to overthrow your free will. It would have been a lot easier if our free will was just removed the moment we said yes to Jesus. But then that would kind of just nullify the fact that there was free will to start with and love that came with that free will. Coming down to verse 15 and 18. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that, we suffer with Him. Let's remove that because that's not nice. Let's remove the suffering from that verse. Um, I'm being sarcastic. I'm joking. Um, man, the Christian walk isn't just a walk in the park. Maybe Jurassic Park, but it's not a walk in the park. Um, it's, it's, it's tough, guys. It's, it's tough living this life. It's tough... Um, in various ways. And why is it tough? Because we're living in a fallen world. We're living in a broken world. And Jesus said there will be persecution, so we can't expect anything different. And I'm not saying let's expect persecution. Let's desire and pray for persecution. 
oftentimes it, it actually leads to some good fruit if the church starts to get persecuted. We saw some good fruit as a church and as a family even throughout lockdown. We praise God for that. But we need to respond to appropriately to that persecution. Because by default, persecution doesn't just bring about fruitfulness. And so, so uh, the same with, like I said, with Romans 8.28. We need to have the right focus, have the right perspective in these matters of persecution or suffering. Um, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Then I just want to jump down to, uh, or not down, but uh, jump over or back to John chapter 15 verse 8 from the Passion. Then I'll just share a few things with these last two passages of Scripture. John 15 verse 8 from the Passion says, When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are the mature disciples who glorify my Father. So again, asking this question of what should be our proper response in light of living a life of, of praise, what should be our proper response? How does that look? It's a life giving glory to God through fruit bearing. And fruit bearing isn't often what, uh, what we've come to think it is in the Christian walk. It's not about having great businesses. It's not about having even great marriages and having amazing children who are obedient. Even though those things are good, guys. So don't, don't, don't hear me wrong. Having a good godly business is good. Having a good godly marriage is good. Having a godly household where your children are honoring God and, and praising Him and obeying their parents, all of that is good and it's great. And I desire that. But you know that none of that is going to be in heaven? You're not going to have a business in heaven. You're not going to have children in heaven. You're not going to be married in heaven. You're going to have brothers and sisters. That's not what I'm saying, guys. If you're mad with me, then just stop it for a moment. This is what the Bible says. So the fruitfulness that brings glory to God is souls. Impacting people's eternities. So whatever you are doing is not in some way overflowing into soul winning, impacting people's eternities, then we need to tweak a few, th a few things. We need to change up a few things. And again, you might see it as, oh, but that's not fun. Like, then you don't know your father. You don't know what he's inviting you into, the significance, the this, this satisfaction. There's a lot of things that I could have had by the age of, the ripe age of 34, that I don't have today. And I'm not dissatisfied by my life. I'm fully satisfied, alive, thankful, praising God, impacting people's eternities. Not because I'm the pastor. This is just a part of my ministry. But Monday through to Saturday, I'm as much a saint as you are in my living and the decisions that I'm making. And so let's be challenged by these truths that the way that we glorify God is through being transformed by His love and showing that in the way that we're loving people, the way that we're husbands and fathers and all of those things. But ultimately, it boils down to soul winning, 
bringing people from darkness and into light. And that is something that God has given us the honor of, the privilege of, the joy of being part of the family business, living and walking out the ministry of Jesus. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.